all uh, thank Ryan one more time for joining us. <laughs> Other Ryan, Ryan number two, is uh, in San Francisco, and Lauren, uh, Lauren's uncle actually uh, passed away a few weeks ago, and so they went back home to Ohio this week, her whole family did, so uh, just prayers for her as she's, uh, her and her family uh, are you know, walking through a, a death in the family. So, so this morning is uh, the fifth Sunday after Epiphany in the church calendar, or as in ancient times they called it Super Bowl Sunday. Speaking of ancient days, in 1298, uh, the, the Polona family owned the city of Palestrina, which is about 22 miles outside of Rome. And uh, a cardinal was the main person that owned this. He lived on the land, he was the family, uh, you know, leader of his family. And he decided one day that he was just going to take the lands away from his three brothers. Sounds like a good guy. So the brothers naturally appealed to Pope Boniface VIII, and Pope Boniface ordered that the cardinal actually turn over all of his lands over to him, and uh, the cardinal did not. The cardinal did not follow through with the orders of the pope, and so the pope had Cardinal Jacopo excommunicated from the Catholic Church. This, a year later in 1299, led to a warfare between uh, the pope and this cardinal, and the pope ordered that this entire town of Palestrina, 22 miles outside of Rome, be completely destroyed. So they, uh, I hate to break it to you, but the uh, Christian religion hasn't always been the most peaceful one. Um, so they destroy this entire town in 1299, and afterwards the Pope wrote this. He said, I have run a plow over it like the ancient city of Carthage in Africa, and I have had salt sown had salt sown upon it. Maybe salting of the earth is maybe something that you've heard uh, talked about in history class. The spreading of salt over the earth was a way in uh, ancient culture to symbolize and to render the land useless. So a uh, conquering city or a conquering uh, empire would come in, they would destroy something, and then they would salt the earth. And it was uh, an ancient practice that I guess originated in the ancient Near East and then was appropriated in the Middle Ages and kind of became something of folklore, rubbing salt into the earth. For the past few weeks, we've been talking about uh, the upside-down reality of, of God. So we, we talked a couple of weeks ago about Paul, and Paul said, the cross of Christ is foolishness, but to those being restored, it is the power of God. And it was really important for Paul understanding who God was in the death and vulnerability of Jesus on the cross, that it was through this act of the ultimate act of powerlessness that uh, Paul saw God's power uh, most full in the death and resurrection of Jesus. And then last week we started the Sermon on the Mount. If you remember here last week, Jesus takes his disciples up the mountain, he pulls them aside, and he gives them the eight, or sometimes nine, uh, Beatitudes. And this entire talk that Jesus opens up with his disciples is all about how the, God's reality, God's kingdom, is not like this world. It's upside down. If you remember from last week, uh, Jesus says to the disciples, blessed, fortunate, happy are those who are mourning, persecuted, poor, powerless. Happy
upside down reality. So this morning we pick up exactly where we left off, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. And the lectionary today has us do uh, 5, 13 through 20, but we're just going to focus on uh, 5, 13 through 16 tonight. Today, whatever time it is. So starting in verse 13, I'm reading out of the NRSV this morning. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father. And I think most of the time, uh, when I've heard this uh, passage referenced in some sort of church or Bible study, it uh, ends up being a, a message about how we should be uh, sprinkled over uh, into culture and be the, the Christian flavoring of the world. Uh, but uh, I don't know if you've seen any Christian movies lately. Sorry, Julie. Uh, I don't want anything to do with that type of seasoning. Um, that's like the cheap generic salt that's probably Um, I think the text is actually calling us to something way more subversive, way more compelling than just we should be sprinkled over the earth and add seasoning to society. Um, Jesus has just finished talking about these radically weird and subversive uh, teachings of how happy are those who are mourning. And so I think we should keep that in mind whenever we think that Jesus just picking up right there. Um, you know, I think it's really interesting that uh, the Nazi party in Germany was able to rise to power in the, in the center of a Christianized continent. I mean, 15 plus 100 years of Christian culture, uh, you know, washed in Christian culture, uh, the Nazi party was able to arise in, in the midst of this. And I don't think it was because there was a lack of any Christian There, were, it was just not, there weren't people living the upside-down reality of God. There weren't people saying, blessed are the poor, blessed are those who are mourning, blessed are those who are persecuted, blessed are those who are powerless. Uh, the, the whole culture was awash in Christianity. I mean, anything from art to architecture to music to academia, uh, uh, you know, books, Catholic, Protestant, of all stripes were present, um, but it lacked salt Salt in the earth prevents things from growing. It gets mixed in the dirt and renders the land useless. So what is our calling this morning when we think of being salt of the earth, salt rubbed into the ground? To be salt of the earth in the current injustices that we see, to be enmeshed in the conflicts and inhumane language of our time that values money over those making minimum wage, Power over those who are stuck in cycles of depression, uh, a nice health care plan or a nice health care rate over millions of people without health care that values private schools over giving everyone equal opportunity at a quality education, that values a natural born citizen over an immigrant or a refugee, salt of the earth. How might we understand 
today's text in Matthew is in light of our current context and the subversiveness of Jesus' teaching and the upside-down reality of Jesus' teaching. If you're anything like me, it's been a difficult couple of weeks to watch uh, news or to listen to NPR, however else you, you might get your news. Uh, it's hard to not feel overwhelmed. Am I alone in this? Um, it's challenging to remain hopeful when it seems kind of like, what can what can I do? What what can I possibly do in the midst of this? I mean, there are so many issues to watch, much less be involved in. We have immigration reform, refugee ban, National Security Council changes, potential changes to the way people have access to health care, religious freedom acts that would legalize discrimination, orders of pipelines that would not only be a violation of treaties, but detrimental to the earth and people and their water, on and on. Uh, the messages that we hear uh, on TV, radio, often from people in power uh, are not, they're not the gospel, they're not the reality of God, they're not the reality that Jesus is speaking about in Matthew 5, uh, but they're rather the very land in which we need to be spread through as salt into the ground. What's interesting about this text uh, that I came across this week, as just a side note, is that in verse 13 when it says, uh, if the salt has lost its taste, there's a word there that actually is where we get the word uh, moron from. I love that word. My dad always used to call me But right there, that when the salt has lost its taste, there's a word that we get our word moron from, foolishness. And in light of what Paul talked about two weeks ago, the cross being foolishness, uh, in light of what we talked about last week in which Jesus says, happier those who are sad, that's also foolishness. Here, Jesus doesn't say, oh, be sprinkled in culture. He's continuing his message of, no, it is foolishness for salt to be thrown on the ground. And this is what we are called to be. We are called to render the injustices that we see in our world useless. We are, we are, we are to put a stop to the injustice that we find in our world. Jesus, in this, in this message, if you notice, he says, you are the salt of the earth. He's talking to a ragtag group of recently assembled disciples, fishermen, uh, tax collectors, uh, zealots, uh, you know, Jewish men, I mean, people that were not rendered by the culture and society at large as successful or powerful. Um, these guys were just, these were just dudes. Um, he says, you are salt of the earth. Not you will be tomorrow, not after you follow me and with a little bit more training, then you might catch on. We know, the end of the story, really catch on. But Jesus already says, you are salt of the earth. This is our message today. You are already salt in the earth, stopping the growth of indifference, power, stopping the growth of greed, prejudice, nationalism. Remember that Jesus is calling us uh, to this today. Uh, not to be salt on the he says, you are the light of the world. You are the city set on a hill. Jesus calls you to this, uh, to tell a story with your life that no one else can tell. You are to set an example. That's what a city, city on a hill in ancient time was a, a navigation point that someone could look to and, and make it there. You are to be that example in the world. Um, I, I say this a lot, but only you can tell your life story. That, that is your uh, gift 
humility, and Jesus says, be salt, be light. Only you can do that. By your life, you are the light which people are able to see and experience God. They will experience God through the saltiness of your actions, happy are the people who are poor and mourning. We set the example. We are those who are rubbed into the ground, rendering it useless. So speak loud, protest, call your congressman, uh, work in our urban garden, help stock the food pantry, uh, go dumpster dive, we need more food back there. Uh, help people get out of debt, help people find a new apartment, uh, help Christine uh, connect uh, with parents uh, to plan youth events for the kids. Uh, go on a mission trip. We have opportunities for you to go on a mission trip. We have funding. If you want to go be involved, we can make that happen. Invite someone you don't know very well over to dinner. Make a connection. Uh, don't be afraid of politicians. Don't worry over the news because you are salt right now, rubbed into the earth that will bring the change and justice that our world and community desperately needs. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Thank you, Ryan. You guys would all join me, and we'll just uh, we'll sing our response song. And um, <clears throat> it's an older song that we're going to be singing today, but I felt it was very appropriate. Um, we are all one. We are all creatures united under God. So as we move forward into our weeks, let's really take that phrase, all creatures, and remind ourselves that we are all created equally. And while we may have impeding things that get in our way throughout the week, we are all still one, so let's try to keep that peace in between us. All creatures of our God and King, lift up your voice and with us sing. Oh, praise. 
Spirit three and one. Oh, pray. 